They called us and said, how about June? And we got it done and we came out and you're kind of the first one. So we hope it goes awesome and goes all over the world. And it just helps people have great marriages. I bring you greetings from Georgia, from the Athens Church of Christ, where I am. Athens is right outside hot Atlanta, Georgia. It's where the University of Georgia is. I went to the University of Florida. If you know anything about football down south, you know that they hate each other. I keep it on the down low. Uh, I, I don't really talk about the fact that I'm a Florida Gator, but that's what I am. And so that, it has no relevance to you out here in California. I'm just talking. You're, oh, there, there's a guy back there going the Gator chomp. Okay, very good. Okay, now I'm still, you guys are going to get, give me some time. These guys are coming up here to help me. I don't want to take mics down. Okay, do I push this button? I blow the sound system up. <laughs> I have a long-running battle with technology. I told the guys, don't even make me turn on a switch when I go up there. I can mess that up. I wanted to just mention a verse uh, as we, we enter in this morning. Uh, I became a disciple when I was 19 years old and uh, said I dropped off Philippians for Paul at the mailbox. Uh, I, I've been around a long, long time. This spins. Okay, that's good to know. Hey, it's going down. All right, there we go. All right, just don't mind me. I'm just playing up here, having fun. But the big issue for me in becoming a disciple was I, I had no faith at all. I, I went, I'd been raised down south, and everybody's kind of raised to believe in Jesus, kind of. That's just what you do. I got away to college and, and realized it was during the hippie Vietnam civil rights uprisings, and you, you were taught to question everything. And I just threw my faith out the door and didn't believe if I believed in God. I didn't know if I believed in the Bible anymore, believed in Jesus being the, the way to God. And I had to work through all of that. And come to my decision of faith. And now I've been at it for a long, long time. Over 40, over 40 years being a Christian. And I just wanted to say this. That in making that decision and then meeting Jerry shortly after, I'm going to tell that story later today, how we met. Here's, here's what I would say to you at the end of that. And it's what Joshua said to the people. He said, you know with all your heart and soul... That not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. That's what I'm here to tell you today. I've been at this a long time. And I don't understand everything. And not everything in my life is going perfect or beautiful or whatever like that. But I'm telling you, God has not failed me and my, my wife and my family one time. There are times when we, we thought maybe we failed, and we did fail. There are times when the church failed. There are times when people around me failed, when we fell flat on our face. Times when we wondered what God was up to. Is there something going on here that I don't know? But God has not failed, and He will not fail you either. I'm just here to say, that's my experience. God promised that you need to have your own faith, but that's where we'll start out. We're going to talk this morning about faith and family in L.A. How about that? Faith and family in L.A. Go ahead and say... Amen. Just to let me know again. Amen. Very good. You're out there. Very, very good. We're going to first talk about the journey of faith. Look over in Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to look there with me. You know, you're doing faith and family. That's what you're building your ministry here on, is on faith and on family. I can't think of two more important things that disciples need to be all about and that people need anymore. And we're going to talk this morning about the father of the faith, the father of the faithful, the patriarch Abraham. And the Bible says this about him, that God called him. And look with me in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, 
when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, and he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. God called Abraham. He was living in a great place. He lived hundreds, thousands of miles away from the promised land he was going to go to. And God said, you need to go and follow me and go where I'm going to tell you to go. He said, where am I going? He said, I'm not telling you. I'm just giving you like a couple of mile markers at a time. You just get on the interstate and roll. You just get going, Abraham. And that's, the, that's what's happened to all of you, all of us. God calls you. Jesus says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. We know what the mission is, but we don't know exactly how that's going to go, where we're going to go, exactly what's going to come our way. We don't know where we're going, but we know who we are going with. Are you with me there, church? We know who's out in front of us. We know who's leading the way. And so we put our trust in him. Not that we know everything that's going to come. He never promised that. But we know who is out in front. We're on the journey of faith. You're on it, and it, hey, it's going to last a lifetime. This is not a 9.5 second Usain Bolt sprint. This is a marathon run. You're going to be running it as long as God chooses to leave you down here on this earth. It's a long journey. It's a great journey. There's ups, there's downs, there's, there's, there's corners. And by the way, whoever has the Harley out there, I will trade you my V-Rod for that touring bike you got because I want to head to the mountains and the V-Rod is... Not really outfitted for that, so that's a deal we can do after church. Okay, very good. <clears throat> he didn't know where he was going. And look, let's go back to the book of Genesis and see what happened. He, God called him, and he started heading out, but he kind of stopped along the way. He stopped halfway. You know, a lot of us have started on that journey, and sometimes we're kind of tempted to stop where we are. You need to keep pressing forward. You need to keep pressing ahead. There's a story of a, there's this huge, there's this really cool mountain resort over in Switzerland and corporate, corporations bring their people there and they take them on a walk up, up this trail that goes to the top of this incredible, beautiful mountain with a vista to see hundreds of miles and all of that. And people are, are kind of huffing and puffing their way up that mountain. They get halfway up at lunchtime and they stop and they have lunch and they give them this incredible sandwich and lunch and all this and they sit there and they kind of kick back. And a lot of people say, you know, this is good enough right here. Y'all go on to the top. I'm going to stop right here. This is good enough for me. I'm here to say today that however far you've come, it's great that you've come this far. And God has blessed you with amazing things. But as far as you come, it's not good enough. I'm saying the best of your life, the best of your life is still yet to come. God is not saying, oh man, I'm out in the ATM. I've given you all the blessings I've got. I'm sorry, pretty much when you got baptized, that kind of bankrupted me. You had a fish kill when you got baptized. Wiped out fish all the way out to whatever, Santa Barbara. I, 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 you had so much sin, I'm kind of wet. I don't have anything left for it. God, the Bible says, has unsearchable riches. I'm not talking just about money. That's not necessarily what he's... I'm talking about every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, 3, that he wants to pour out on you. And you may have been blessed in your past, and you may be happy where you are, but God has better things ahead of you. 
You got to believe that, though, or you will end up. Thank you. I'll take it. You may stop halfway and say this is good enough. And then you miss going all the way to the top of that mountain. You're on the journey. I'm encouraging the L.A. group here, the Lighthouse Church, whatever you call it. You keep on pushing all the way to the very end. You stay on that journey. You with me right there, church? Thank you. Thank you. He stopped. Let's look at it. It says in verse 31 of Genesis 11, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. Together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. That's the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They stopped halfway. They, they pulled over at a rest stop on the, on the interstate and said, yeah, this is pretty nice right here. Oh, no, you're not at the promised land yet, dude. You got to go forward. And the Lord had said, you leave your country, your people and go to the land. I will show you and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you. I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the promise Abraham had a greater promise. But he was kind of willing to stop somewhere along the way. Don't ever settle for just good enough. Church, you go all the way with God, all the way to the end. And know, like Caleb, you said, I followed my God to the end wholeheartedly. At the end of his life, at 85 years old, he said, give me the hill country. Give me something challenging to do in my life. Hey, I just cracked 60. Ooh, uh, I confessed it. Yes, I'm right out here. Uh, and when you hit that marker, as one brother says, bro, you don't have much runway left there. How, what are you going to do, you know? You know what I want to do? I want to go out with more faith, more courage, doing more, the best God can make, whatever He wants me to do. I'm living in my daughter's basement right now. We sold our house. We thought, let's do something. The house sold in two weeks. It doesn't happen. Now we listen to the thunder of little feet, our grandchildren over our head every morning. But I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do next? And I want to challenge some of the older members here. Man, your greatest years are ahead of you. Some of you teens, you've already given up on life. You've had some hard licks. You know, some things happened to you. Some college students, some singles, like, I, I don't know. Life doesn't look so awesome. Let me tell you. The Bible says if God told you all that he had in store for you, your ears would tingle. It's amazing. And the world has nothing to offer you that can compare to what God has in store for your life. I mean, on our worst day in the church, the worst day we've ever had, we are so much better off in the world. It ain't even funny. Give me the church on a bad day and then the world in its best day. Because I've, I've seen the world. I've, seen, I've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Don't want to go back. Not happening. The journey of faith. But secondly, let's go to the picture of faith. Look over in Genesis chapter 15. You know, to go on a journey, though, you do need to have a picture of where you're going. You say, well, I'm not sure, but God said it's a promised land. He told Moses and the crew, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's awesome. And they kept that vision before them when everything seemed to go wrong. What will keep you on the journey is having a great picture. And I want to, I want to know this morning, what's your picture of your faith? For you, if you're married, your marriage. What's the picture for you and your, for your kids? For your younger people in the audience, what, what's your picture for your life? What kind of life do you want to have? When Jerry and I got married, we really, there weren't that many older Christians out ahead of us. We just had a picture that we read, we read Ephesians 5. It said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He said, wives, respect your husbands. We said, well, we don't pretty much know squat about anything. But we're going, and squat is a Hebrew term, by the way. I, I, I'm in the temple here. 
uh, we, so we don't know, but we are going, that's the picture we have. Remember Jerry used to say when the kids would be yelling and screaming at each other, we will have a happy home. It's like, I said, you are speaking by faith right now because they, I don't believe in original sin, but I am questioning my position because of this three-year-old we're dealing with right here. I said, did that child get all of your DNA? I think that's got to be yours. I don't believe in original sin, but I believe we, we originated a few sins in my house growing up. I, I will say that. The picture of faith. Here's what God does. He calls Abraham and says, all right, I called you, but now let me give you a picture. And that, you've got to get the picture in your mind. Some of you need to get that ugly picture you've got of a disastrous life awaiting you. Say, so, well, dude, I, I, I'm just going on my history. God is the creator of history. I don't care what your history is. God rewrites history. He makes new history. God speaks and something comes into being that's never existed before. You say, well, even as a disciple, Sam, I mean, the wheels came off some... Hey, you, does, you read the story of the people in this book. The wheels came off for everybody except Jesus somewhere along the way. You know, here's the deal about the Bible. There's only three characters in here that come out great. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The rest of us have issues. Every Bible hero, I mean majorly, blew it. Majorly is not a word, but it communicates what I'm trying to say. And by the way, if I start lapsing into high school Spanish, please, Latinos, stay in the room. I didn't mean to say anything bad about your grandmother. I was just trying to, trying to relate. I went down to Bogota. Trying to, you know, Jerry wasn't there to, to reel me in. She's always down here going like this when I get far out. Says, come back, come back, don't go there. But I started trying to use my high school Spanish. And the brothers were smiling, and I think they were like, you pathetic gringo, what are you doing? Do you, do you know what you just said? So I may try it. I'm just asking you to stay seated, stay in the room, and, and smile with me. All right, the picture of faith. Abraham, God calls him out. He says, the word of the Lord came to Abram. And he said, don't be afraid, Abram. Isn't that what we get scared? He said, I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. I'm your great reward. Abram said, sovereign Lord. Now, we have questions. When, when can you give me a son? Well, Abraham was like 100. And Sarah, Sarah was 90 when God said, you are going to have a kid. They said, what? Sarah cracked up laughing. Busted out laughing. 90-year-old woman. <laughs> She was listening to the angels. She was kind of listening, you know, how, you know, no, none of the sisters in here do that. But you listen into your husband's conversations. What were you talking about? And she cracked up laughing. The angel said, she broke up laughing. She said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. It's all in your Bible. Go read it. You know what they named Isaac when he was born? Isaac means he laughs. Laughing boy. They said, well, we cracked up laughing. Hundred-year-old man, 90-year-old woman. How do we have children? Given the technology of the day, there's only one method we've got. Woohoo! All right. Well... And they had that son, but this is, this is years before when he's still young, 75. He says, how am I going to know this? And the word of the Lord came to him in verse 4. The man, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. And he said, so shall your offspring be. He said, come outside, Abraham, look up there, and without the pollution of 21st century, you look up into that gorgeous agrarian sky over, over the promised land, and you see the spangling, sparkling stars of a billion galaxies. 
That's how many are going to follow you in the faith. Sometimes you just got to keep a glorious picture in front of you, no matter how ugly things are right now. Jerry and I had a picture of the marriage we wanted to have. Sometimes the reality right in front of us wasn't so awesome. Of the kids we wanted to have. I have a picture of what I believe the church ought to be. You ever had that? You know what the, what the Bible calls the church? The bride of Christ. We're staying down here at the Double Tree. There was a wedding yesterday and I, we walked out right. We were leaving to go, go have coffee right when the bride, she was just glorious, spectacular. I mean, everybody just standing there. She was just radiant. That's how God looks at His church and looks at all of you. We've seen some churches on the, on the day when, you know, it's like Bridezilla or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Jesus always believes the best of His church. Always believes the best of His bride. And I still, with all I've seen the church go through, I believe it's the bride of Christ. And I'm not going to lapse into shutting down the church or throwing mud on her dress she is the bride of my Lord Jesus, and I love her, and I'm going to stay, and I ain't going nowhere, no matter what we act like sometimes. You know what I'm saying? The picture of faith. God has a great plan. You know, when he called Gideon, you know what he told Gideon? He said, God is with you, mighty warrior. Where was Gideon? He was hiding from his enemies. <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, you're a mighty warrior. Yeah, right. When he called Moses, he said, you're going to go free the people. Let my people go. Moses said, would you please send somebody else to do this? I can't even really talk right. He was talking like Mickey Mouse. You know, he said, I, don't know, I can't say anything. Who's, who's your, what's your name? What am I going to tell them? What if they don't believe me? He said, Mike, turn that stick into a snake. Well, that's not too cool. I don't know what. He, God sees us so much more than what we are. And Jesus, when Jesus met Simon Barjona, Simon Johnson, he said, ah, your name's Rock, Rocky Johnson. Peter said, that's kind of cool, Rocky. Yeah, but he had more rocks in his head than he did under his feet. He denied Jesus, said all kind of things, messed up. But Jesus refused to release that vision of who he could be. I wonder what God has in mind for your life. I wonder what he had in mind when he formed you in your mother's womb. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something very special. It's awesome. It's who He wants you to be. You may want to be a rock star. You may want to be a movie star. You may want to be the smartest guy. That may not be God's plan for you, but whatever it is, is the greatest plan it could be, and it's going to make you the happiest it could possibly be because God knows what He's doing with your life. He knows how better to run it than you do. God has a great plan for you, but don't bail out. Keep that picture. and Say, God, I'm not sure, but I know it's great, and I'm going to stay with you to you fulfill the destiny you have for my life, and He's going to do it. Think about Abraham. He kept that picture, although he had some serious bumps along the road. Sometimes it comes from your family life. He took his, took his cousin or nephew, Lot, along with him. Lot was materialistic, greedy, one, took all the best land, ended up hanging out in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what happened there. He had to go bail him out, drag him out of there. He had all kind of issues. Sometimes family members don't do right, and we think, oh, what's going to happen here? Abraham didn't do right, lied two times about his own wife, told these pagan kings that, Thought his gorgeous wife would make a great wife for them. He said, oh, well, she's my sister. So they took her. Oh, awesome, Abraham. You're a wonderful husband. Lied about who your wife is so you could save your own skin. Both times God saved her from those situations. But Abraham wasn't perfect. He didn't do everything right. But God still looked at him and kept the picture in front of who, in his own eyes as God. And Abraham's eyes as a human being. 
you're going to have more descendants of faith than the stars in the sky. I wonder what God's vision is for you. Have you given up on it? Don't you dare give up on it. God's with you. And then, at the end, they gave up and said, let's have a child through one of our servant girls. And so they had Ishmael, and it produced all kind of conflict in their marriage and in their life. But God worked that out too, and then later Isaac was born. Keep the picture of faith in front of you, of the best version of yourself, of the best version of the church, the best version of your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your friends. Keep the best picture. Always see them by faith and not necessarily where they are right now. And then they, you know what happens when we see things by faith? We move to where we're looking. And we walk by faith, the Bible says, not by sight. When, when I take my motorcycle class, classes, they say you're doing twisties in the mountains and you look down and there's 2,000 square feet or 2,000 straight foot drop. Don't look there. Look where you want to go or you will go there. Look where you want to go. What is it that we want to do? Ah, I don't want to go there. That's where we go. Look where you want to go. Right now, get your eyes up. Jesus, lift up your eyes. Get them back on the prize. Get your eyes on the marriage you want, the life you want. I've made the point. Let's get up, give it up, Sam. Go to the next point. Okay. Number three, speak words of faith. Look over in Genesis 22. They finally, they have Isaac, the son of promise. They've waited 25 years. Now, it's, now he's probably a young, he's a teenager. And God, sometimes God throws you a curveball. It's like, what? Sometimes it feels like God has changed his mind. It seems like God's telling me something that doesn't make sense. In verse 1 of Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. You know, you're going to be tested on the journey. You're going to be tested. Sometimes we take tests and we feel like the teacher's just trying to flunk me. (laughs) Sometimes we take a test and it's almost like you're hoping I'm going to fail. God gives us tests not because He wants us to fail, because He wants to make us stronger. It's like anything you do in life. You've got to push yourself beyond where you've been, and then you adapt and you become better. It's like working out. You've got to take yourself to the point of failure, and your body says, I don't like failing, so I will get stronger. So next time you run this far, or you pick up this much weight, or the next time you play this piano, and it's so hard for me, I'm going to learn. Those fingers are going to learn those notes. That body's going to adjust and build more muscle so it can pick up that weight. Your lungs are going to expand so you can run faster. Whatever it is. You've got to sometimes go to the point of failure so you grow. Don't you wish it were different? I always tell God, listen, listen, let me just between you and me. If you will just bless my life and make it really easy, I promise to remain humble. I promise to always be faithful. I promise to be so grateful. Just make it easy for me all the time. That's the deal I tried to work. Wrong answer. You're not getting there. Sometimes it is easy. Sometimes everything flows in my life. It's like I'm in the zone spiritually. There are other times it's like I am out of the zone. I'm in the zero zone. I'm in the no spin zone. I'm in the spin zone. I'm in some zone. I'm in the twilight zone. I have no idea where I am. That's when you got to speak words of faith to yourself and back to God. So Abraham, he tests Abraham. And he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? All the promise. I have my 13-year-old son here and you tell me to go kill him? What's up with that? That's what pagan religions do. You condemn them. That's evil. 
That's child sacrifice. What? Sometimes it seems like we don't know what God's doing. But early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, now listen to this. When you don't understand what's going on, you've got to still speak the words that hang on to the promises of God. If you start talking unbelievingly, you'll start acting unbelievingly. You staying with me now, church? You've got to speak words of faith, sometimes even when you don't feel like it. And so he says, he looked up and he said to his servants, and listen to this. Stay here with me. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. We will. You're right, sister. We will come back. He's already been told you're going to offer him as a sacrifice. He's not saying he's changed his mind. He's, going, he's about to do this. But he's saying, we're going to come back. You know why? It's, I'm not going to read it for you today. It's in Hebrews 11. The Bible says, Abraham reasoned. God made a promise that through Isaac, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. That means he's got to live, get married, and have kids. So, no matter what this looks like right now, God is not going to back out on the promise he made. He will not back out. And so he says, we're coming back. And you know what it says in the book of Hebrews? He reasoned God could raise this kid from the dead. Some of you, you're thinking, that's about where my kid's at right now. <coughs> they are spiritually out of it. They have no interest in spirit. God can raise the dead. He can change somebody's life. Don't you ever give up on anybody that left God or that's spiritually insensitive right now. God can work things in them that you had nothing to do with and bring them back from the dead. Do we believe it or not, church? we got to believe that. Let me tell you something. The Bible says train up a child when they're young and when they're old they won't depart from it. Well, if you're not doing good when they're 14, that is not exactly old, is it? When they're 27, that ain't old anymore. I'm talking about, I'll be praying for my kids right before they pull the plug on me. One more time. God, help that knucklehead to come back to you. Then I'm gone. Then in heaven, I'm going to have real good access to God. I'm saying, excuse me. I got a kid down there. Can I talk to you about this? But it's also my friends. It's also people that help me become a Christian. Some people, they're doing great. Some of them are doing awesome. Others of them are kind of wandering in the desert right now. I'm believing you know, God's alive and well. He can bring them back. I'm, this is not my notes. I'm way out of field right now. Can you stay with me on that? Just, I'm just trying to help you. Okay. You've got to speak words of faith. So what does Abraham says? He speaks words of faith. I believe we're going to come back. And then, then Isaac starts asking questions. Here they're going up the hill with this bundle of wood and fire. Isaac's saying, uh, uh, Dad, uh, sometimes your kids ask important questions. They say, he said, yeah. He said, Father. He said, yes, my son. They're about to have a talk here. Verse 7. The fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, that's him. He doesn't know that. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. See, that's words of faith right there. You have to speak words of faith into a situation even when you, you just know God's going to do something. God is going to work all things together for good in this situation. God will provide my son. So Isaac's okay. And they go on, and you know the story. Abraham raises his hand with a knife in it. And the angel from heaven calls out to him, 
And he says his name twice. There's only about five times in the Bible that God says somebody's name two times. Samuel, Samuel. Abraham, Abraham. He's going, Whoa. he's doing this. He said, here I am. Abraham said, thank you, God. Yes. <laughs> he said, here I am. He said, don't lay a hand on the boy in verse 12. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You know, have you ever had a dream that you had for the Lord? And it's a little bit different than what happened here with, with Abraham. But some of us have had dreams. We, we're, we're the men who dream, right? We sing. That's one of our anthem songs. Captives came. Don't let me go there. I'll drive, I'll drive you out of the audience. And we, and we, we dream the impossible dream. But then we have, there's another song from that Broadway song, I Dreamed a Dream. Remember that song where the woman says, I dreamed a dream that life would be so much better than the hell I'm living. And there are, dream, there are storms we cannot weather. Sometimes we wonder, we had dreams. And we think they didn't work out. Let me say a couple of things about that. One is that we don't, need, never give up being dreamers, even if a particular dream didn't work out. You with me? Because who is the Lord of our life? Jesus is. Who is the Lord of your dreams? Because we have a dream doesn't mean we can tell God what to do. Unless we got it straight from God like Abraham did. It's maybe a, a dream or a passion we had or something. We, David had a dream. What did he want to do? He wanted to build a temple. Did he? No. God said, I'm sorry, son. You can't do that. Your son Solomon will build the temple. He said, okay. There may be dreams that you had that you don't get to do. Somebody else would do that are great dreams. But it's like Paul in Acts 16. You remember this story? I don't have time to read it today, but at verses 6 through 10. He wanted to go here and preach the word. And God blocked him. He wanted to go there and preach the word. God blocked him. He wanted to do this. He wanted to do that. God said, no, 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 no. The Spirit wouldn't let him. Finally, he has a dream in the middle of the night and a guy over in Europe saying, come over here and preach here. And he said, we got up the next morning and we went from Asia to Europe. And so the gospel goes to a whole new continent. Because Paul's dreams were not big enough for God. Maybe if God shut down a dream in your life, it's because he has a bigger and better one for you somewhere else. Are you with me on that? Sometimes we're not believing big enough. And by the way, even the nightmares that happen. You know, I imagine David thought when he first saw Goliath, this is my biggest nightmare. God said, no, this guy's going to make your career. Pharaoh made Moses' career. Saul made David's career. The Pharisees made Paul's career. I mean, the devil will make your career. All that he's throwing in your face, it will make you stronger and will give God a chance to show you. And so when it does happen, you will know where the victory came from. It came from God. So you've got to speak the words of faith. But I'm urging you right now in the midst of whatever it is you're dealing with, even if things are going great or they're mediocre or a little rugged, are very rugged. Speak words of faith into that situation. Stay in faith is the last point. Look what happens. Of course, you got to stay in faith. You got to you got to keep your faith even when it's been it's not easy to do so. And it says in verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took that ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, and here we are 4,000 years later, and we're saying it. To this day, it will be said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You go up on that mountain with God, He will provide 
whatever you need at the right time in your life. He will provide what you need to get you through and win you through to victory in the final final battle that you have to fight. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay on the journey. Keep the picture in your mind. Speak words of faith. Don't give in to unbelief and speaking words of doubt and fear. Stay in faith all the way to the end. We're about to celebrate communion this morning. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He kept his faith. When even God had to turn his back on him to save us, he kept his faith. And he kept loving us. And he kept loving God. He kept on going. That's why we're still here. Because Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. But I want to encourage you today to get your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says we started in running that race in Hebrews 12. It says we've all, we have a race to run marked out for us. But he says, so what I'm telling you to do, fix your eyes on Jesus. You get your eyes back on Jesus and you can run again. You can run and he says, you're, you're strengthen the weak knees and, and the hands and the arms that are falling into weariness. And you'll run it all the way through. And so today, it'll make communion be a time for us to recenter our, our eyes and our focus on Jesus. Maybe a time to renew our faith and remember just how great the promises of God really are. I believe I'm supposed to lead a prayer. I'm not sure about your OOS, but I'm going to pray anyway because we can never do enough of that. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, thank you for calling us. Thank you for having a great plan for us. Thank you, God, for giving us everything good in our life. Thank you, God, that your promises do not fail. God, I pray that you will encourage every heart in this room today, no matter what maybe we may be going through. Strengthen those of us whose hearts have become weary. Strengthen those who've lost faith. Encourage those whose faith is just okay and let it become really a zealous and strong and vibrant faith. God, be with us, whether we're teens or singles or campus or marriage or emptiness, whatever. God, we pray that we will lift up our eyes and we'll be men and women of faith. Thank you that Jesus went all the way to the cross and to the point of resurrection. You brought him back, Lord, on that mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.